Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talbot to Calgary. Really? Somebody's got to go to Calgary. That's not going to be Mike Smith, hey? They don't want Mike Smith back. He's well, McElhaney, he's playing Calgary. He's 37. Mike Cam Talbot's a youngin, 31. Hmm. So who does that leave for the Oilers then? Because Talbot still, I think his family still lives here. Now, I understand why the Calgary moved then. They like it in Alberta. Oh, well, there's goaltending problems solved. They just signed a guy for four years, didn't they? That tells you. Was it four or was it four and a half million? <laughs> four and a half, four and half million. million. That's, it. That's it. It'll be a it'll be a tug of war between the general manager and the coach as to what one A goalie they get because the Mike Smith played for Tippett in Arizona and Mrazek played for Holland in Detroit. Mm. I suspect that Mrazek would be a little more expensive than Smith. Who do you think the owners should target? Because it's going to come in free. Mike agency. Smith. Mike yeah, Smith? He was all right in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. Okay. Think he can push Koskinen? Because that's what we need, right? Right. Yeah. That's everybody's. That's what the owners need. Really worried about. You know, you can have all these great laid plans, but if your goalie isn't any good, you're not. It, Let's face it. Whatever work. goalie they they get, and you and if you're grading the goaltending in the National Hockey League, the owners are in the bottom yeah. third. No matter which other goalie they get. You know, they don't have a legitimate, they, they'll have a one and a one A, but none of them is is awesome. So, Or a two and a two A is kind of more like it. Like I don't, I don't see Koskinen as being a bona fide NHL starter right now by any stretch. Yeah. This is the uh, Oil Spills podcast, by the way. It's uh, June 25th. We're recording this on Tuesday. I'm with Jim Matheson and Rob Dijkowski, hockey writers for the Edmonton Sun and the Edmonton Journal. And uh, yeah, we had the draft. Rob, you're at in Vancouver for the draft, and that's in our rearview mirror. And coming up, free agency. But as always, there's there's the trade market too, and certainly uh, teams have been wheeling and dealing here. Not not on draft day itself, not on the Friday, but we haven't seen an orders trade yet. I mean, obviously Ken Holland's been talking to people. You know, free agency is coming and. A goaltender has been identified as being something to come via the free agent market. My list of questions for you guys included the orders needs, and we've been talking about what the orders need to add in the offseason, what they need to do 
you know, shuffling players around and whatnot. Goaltender is one of them. Now, Brett Connolly's name is coming up as a, a guy to target in free agency who would fit on one of the top two scoring lines. Uh, that's a reach for me, but I, I guess he's, he can play in the second line. He's not a first-line player. It won, he had one really good year last year in Washington as Alex Chason had a one good year in Edmonton. So um, I think Connolly's first-round draft choice, so maybe he's got more upside than, than Chason, but their you know, career stats are almost identical. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if people are leery about signing Chase on to a to a longer term deal because they're thinking, you know, this was the one outlying season. Well, the same can be said for Connolly. So you have to be very careful when you're signing a player after a career high because you don't know, you know, if he's going to be able to duplicate that. To some extent, the others might have to gamble because I don't know that they have the money to sign a bona fide somebody who scored you know 25 goals for the last four years in a row i don't know that that's in their budget and i don't know that they have something that they could give up in a trade that would bring that player back you know in terms of what they can afford to give up on trade or would would be willing to you're looking at the bottom end of their defense probably with you know russell and a benning if they're under the belief that somebody from you know one of their younger kids can step up and fill those holes so you know you're not getting a 25 goal scorer for chris russell or 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 you know the other guy so like like everybody has known for a long time, Ken Holland, his arms are kind of tied a little bit here. He doesn't have a whole bunch of cap space. He doesn't have a lot of players to trade. It's a slow process, and uh, if he can make some sort of you know smaller moves and maybe take a gamble on a guy who can hopefully you know kick in twenty goals, then that that's what he's going to have to do. I don't see any you know earth shattering moves coming down the pipe. You know, and I'm thinking about, you know, Jesse Pugliarvi's status as well. I mean, the, the news since the last time, the last podcast last week, um, you know, Pugliarvi's not going to play in the NHL this year if it has to be with Edmonton. He's going to probably go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, Good riddance. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, that's the way he, if that's yeah. the way he thinks when he's 21 years old. Off a four-goal season. Off a four-goal season and wanting a fresh start when they've got a new coach and a new general manager. That is... I mean, block letters, fresh start, as far as I can see. New coach, new GM. Uh, and if he wants to go back to play in Finland, fine. That's Boy, actually, so keep his rights. They qualified yeah. him today. Keep his rights. He wants to go back to Europe. Uh, fine. It's not like they're losing somebody. You know, we 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 dump on Neil Yakupov all the time as a first overall pick who didn't pan out. On Neil Nail's worst days, he still scored more goals than mm-hmm. than Pugliarvi is. You know, scored seventeen goals in one year. Yakupov. I don't know if I. I think that's about the total number of goals that Jesse scored in the first three years in the league. So, um, you know, I think is, I think part of this is the player. Part of it's the team. He should have stayed in Finland for another year. A large part of his is the agent who isn't telling his player, look, look in the mirror here. We'll sign a one-year contract with the Oilers with a handshake agreement with the general manager that if it doesn't pan out after one year, you're definitely trading me. You know, And uh, a stronger, more established agent, I suspect, of you know, would be telling his player that. He's, look, you've only been in the league for three years and you haven't even played 240 games yet and you want out of here. So let's make a, a deal with Ken Holland that you play hard for one year and you'll guarantee he's going to trade you. 
Yeah, and going to Finland is not even the end of the world. Like they, they can't send him to the minors, which is probably where he deserves to be. So, you know, he needs to play in a development league to become better as a player and to up his stock. So he goes to Finland and lights it up. Suddenly you can get some trade value for him or if you, you, know, if you can convince him to, to, to coming back here. But, you know, right now, if you trade him away, all you're doing is giving yourself an opportunity to look really stupid because you're going to get nothing back in a one for one deal. And then he goes somewhere else and lights it up and you look like fools. So go to the best thing would be go to Finland for an entire year, put up, you know, whatever good numbers are in the Finnish league and then up your stock and then maybe they can trade you or you can come back here and as a better player. But trading him right now is just a fool's game. There's no upside to it unless he's a throw in as part of a package deal that can get you something. But on a one for one deal, zero chance I would trade him. But I think Daniel Yakupov again. I mean, obviously that was the risk with Yakupov as well. You know, they did trade him away. The difference between Nail and and uh, Jesse is Nail never wanted to go back to Russia. He wanted to be an NHLer, but he just wasn't good enough to play in the NHL. So he ended up going back to Russia. Jesse's played in the league for three years, and he already wants to go back to Finland if he doesn't like it here. Nail never said that. I mean, his agent, I shouldn't say that. Igor Larionov, for a time there, wasn't happy with how... Nail was playing and he, he was looking for a trade, but not once that I, do I ever recall him saying, I'm going to go back to Russia. And he just wanted to play somewhere else. And in Jesse's case, um, you know, he's using that, I'll go back to Finland. You know, it's like there's another league out there. Well, there is another league out there. I guess you can go back to Jokerit and play in the KHL where every game's 2-1. I don't know how you're going to light it up in the cage. Not many guys <laughs> do right, that. That's why all the goalies have no, 930 that's, Yeah, that's not, not many guys have lighted up in that league. So we'll see. I mean, because what are the, ch- I mean, we'll see. I mean, yes, he's still relatively young, uh, even though he has three NHL seasons, 170 games. So how many, or more than 100 games played, right, in the NHL. What are the chances he is going to bounce back? Neil Yakupov never did. He dispatched to St. Louis, ended up in Colorado, was never a factor and played in Russia last year. Probably the last we've seen of him. You never know. But, you know, odds are, you know, see Paul Yarvey, doesn't look like he's going to be any different. I mean, there's lots of first-round picks who get traded, and you think there's just as many that go to another team and, and turn it around as go to another team, and they're still the same player they were. Yeah, I guess there's... Did there's... Jason Bond Sr. suddenly get better when he got traded as the fourth overall pick back in the day? I don't think so. Yeah, well, that was, that was, it was Edmonton's fault, right? You know, you're not playing Yakupov in the right positions. You're not giving him enough time. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's Edmonton's fault. It's Edmonton's fault. He goes somewhere else, and guess what? You know, he's a healthy scratch there. He goes to another team. Guess what? He's a, he's a healthy scratch there. If players don't think the game as well as they should and they're not in the right spots, that's, you know, it's tough to play because, you know, one, one weak link can ruin the whole chain. And if you have a, if teams are playing strong system games and, or four of the five guys are playing a strong system game, you leave yourself, you know, vulnerable. And, and that's the concern with guys like that. That's why you can't match them up against top six forwards because you'll get eaten the other way. So, uh, you know, you hope that, you know, he has all the skills, or he has all the tools just like Yakupov did. But, you know, if you can't put it together after three or four years, then you start thinking, yeah, this this guy might be a bust. So he's right on that that cusp now where he has to turn things north fast uh, otherwise he'll just be one of those guys that you know had a lot of skill but uh, didn't really couldn't really put it together neither of you have probably had a chance to try to ask Dave Tippett about Dylan Strom I mean Dylan Strom 
these days is the poster boy for getting that second chance, first first round pick traded from Arizona, Tippett's old team, to Chicago where he has flourished. You would have to trade Jesse to a team, I think. With a buddy? With a buddy. Winnipeg or which Carolina. Is, or Carolina, which is what they did. They traded him to Chicago with Debrinket, mm. and he was playing with Debrinket, and he's turned his game around. You'd have to trade him to a, a team where there's a, a buddy. and um, I, I guess the thing with Jesse is he's Finnish. I mean, the language barrier, the culture barrier. Dylan's obviously a Canadian. I think I think what teams look at the Oilers, and, and, and I'm sure – whether you're Pittsburgh or any other team, Pittsburgh stole just Justin Schultz from the Oilers and now is like their best offensive defenseman after Chris Letang. You look, they're looking at it going, you know what? They gave up on Justin Schultz too. Maybe they gave up on Billy Irvy. Somebody might take him. But they only got a third-round draft choice for Justin Schultz, yeah. who everybody in the league wanted to sign as a free agent. So I just don't see teams giving you very much for a, at this point, failed fourth overall draft pick. Um, you know, we'll get the, the draft eventually here. Um, but related to that, you know, and this is me always doing a stretch. You know, I was popped open, not even Netflix. It was Amazon Prime because I couldn't find Moneyball on Netflix and I wanted to watch it. Maybe it's because I flicked on the TV and saw a baseball game. Anyway, but I, you know, I think about Billy Bean and then I started thinking about Ken Holland. You know, Billy Bean being the main character, main character, he's still the general manager of the Oakland A's, but the film and book Moneyball is about how Billy Bean used analytics to bring his sad sack Oakland A's or created a playoff team using numbers. And I was thinking about what Ken Holland said at the draft, his reaction to what people were saying about drafting Philip Broberg at number eight when lots of people had him you know, further down the list, drafting a defenseman so early instead of taking one of these many forwards who were available who have high skill and are highly touted, why would you take Broberg? You know, he's like, well, we have, they were not watching the games. We are. Then I was thinking, it's a bit of an aside, where are the orders at with their analytics hirings anyway? I don't know. We're never introduced to the whoever's doing the analytics, yeah. so I have no <laughs> is idea. Is there somebody now? I, I'm sure there is. I, I, I'm sure they look, they are, they are, because remember last year, Ken Holland or Ken Hitchcock said every day there was a page of stuff on his desk about yeah. who was doing what and, in terms of minutes played and, and, and on the ice, the offensive that, zone and defensive winners. zone and all that and all the stuff. So I'm sure they are. Um, if get, you can get a, if you can look at analytics and get a, a player cheap as a free agent, you would want to do that. You know, I, the one fail, I remember they went out and signed Mark Fain as a defenseman right. on his analytics when he played for the New Jersey Devils. That didn't turn out so well. Now there's probably other guys um, that you know would turn out well, but uh, as to who they are, um, there are always analytics darlings around the league, and uh, they usually have really good defense partners. Remember, yeah, really good defense partners, and and that helps them out. So I don't know. I'll admit it. I was I was trying to think of a more creative way of segueing into the draft by bringing it up. I, all because I watched Moneyball, and I've seen it before. Has Oakland quit using analytics, or how come uh, Billy Bean's teams aren't winning anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it worked for at least a couple yeah, years. Yeah, it worked. Didn't they have McGuire or something coming in later? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it, it got down to where you get cheap players, but you had bad pitching eventually. <laughs> Couldn't get anybody out. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, and so I get to talk about Philip Broberg. He was the owner's selection at number eight. You know, and Rob, you were there and you talked to him. And of course, you guys have seen him and talked to him at the development camp here in Edmonton. But obviously, just like any prospect here over the last few years, it's, it's far too early to know what we've got. I mean, we all know what the book is on the kid, what he's capable of doing and his skill sets and et cetera, et cetera. And I know he's a first-round pick. He's not Ethan Bear or Caleb Jones who were taken in the fourth, fifth round in the McDavid draft. But it's going to be a few years at least, I would say. He's not playing in the NHL this year. Yeah. Who knows when he's going to play? I mean, we don't know when Evan Bouchard is going to play in the NHL either because we still have to have training camp in September. Mm-hmm. But well, even, I guess I could ask you how Evan Bouchard looked at that camp today or yesterday. Even Holland was saying, like, you know, this, you know, when's a when's a, a defenseman that you draft going to be ready? And he's probably when the guy's about twenty two or twenty three years old. So that's four years from now. Yeah. So it was it was always easy to kind of you know make decisions or judgments on these picks when the Oilers are picking first overall because you had a Taylor Hall who was going to be with you next season and and help you next season or a Connor McDavid or. You know, and Nail Yakupov, but when you get a little further down the road, and you're you're looking at you know guys in that eight to ten range that aren't locks to walk in and play, you have to go through that again that process that everybody goes through, where you're looking two or three years down the road, and there's there's no way to tell once you get past one or two, and even one or two, because you know Yakupov and Puljujarvi were kind of consensus top one, two, three picks, Mm -hmm. right? So you don't know that you just don't know. You know, you hope, you study the guy, you, you watch him 50, 60 times a year with three or four different guys and you make your decision on him. But there's no way to tell how an 18-year-old is going to react to some of the stuff that he's facing. You know, he's he's a big guy. He skates really well. You know, there's a long lineage of Swedish defensemen from from Carlson to, you know, Hedberg to, to you know, Lidstrom, you know. But doesn't mean just because you're a Swedish defenseman you're going to be good because there's a lot of French Canadian goalies who aren't any good who got into it because of Patrick Waugh. So it's a, it's a coin toss. It's a lottery. It's a, it's guesswork in a lot of situations. So you have to – the good thing is they're not counting on the guy. You know, they they say when they draft him, you know, see in two, three, four years. And that's, that's the way it needs to be, that these guys, when they do come in, they're ready to contribute. I think – it's easier to teach a defenseman to defend than it is to teach to draft a defenseman uh, to suddenly say, okay, we want you to carry the puck and do those sort of things. Well, Broberg Bro- already does that. You can teach him how to play better defense. And I think th- three, four years down the road, I'm sure they're looking at a defense with Bouchard, Samarukov, and Broberg, and Nurse as your, as your young four for a decade, and Oscar Kleffbaum, as well and then see what happens after that so um i'll say one thing the oilers prospect list looks a lot better than the current oiler team you know you're looking at all these prospects you used to get some good players but the actual oiler team today they're nibbling around the edges trying to sign free agents and hope they can play but it's much the same team i mean average goaltending you know, what kind of the defense thing is it can the defense move the puck up to the forwards? You know, who's going to score other than McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins? And if they sign Brett Connolly, well, good. But, you know, it's not exactly, you know, trading for, you know, we always bring up Nicholas Ehl- Nikolai Ehlers or somebody like that who's definitely a top six player. So their prospect list looks way better than it used to. 
but the current Oilers roster doesn't yeah. look good. same within goal too. Now that you know they have you know three or three or four guys, and when you when you hit it with that volume, you only need to be right on twenty five percent of your picks, right? And so the more numbers you can add, all you need is one of those guys. You know, or you can of, trade some of those younger players to another team if you figure you got too many for right. something else, especially on defensemen. Yeah, and I was going to say that you know it's it's very simple and it's something that is always talked about. I mean, the defensemen are. The currency is higher than, say, forwards because there's fewer of them on your, in your lineup. We all know how hard it is to trade for a top-pairing defenseman. When, it, when was the last time the owners traded for one? I mean, Adam Larson aside, but even Adam Larson cost you Taylor Hall. Right. Right? That's how rare they are. So you're hoping that, you know, you're, whoever it is, whether it's Broberg or Clefbaum or Bear, Jones, you name your defenseman the owners have – that if you're going to be trading one of those guys, you're going to be getting a better forward in return if that's what you're after. So they're you know they're they're valued higher. Yeah, so to. I understand why that logic you'd take a defenseman, you know even if you know you think he's he's worth it down the line. Even though some people had Broberg ranked in the twenties, well, like if they to drafted 10. a defenseman in the second round too, you'd be looking at him going, "Are you kidding me? Two defensemen? Yeah. But they drafted a forward in the second round. Who's a good forward? Who was a you know." A, will probably be in Canada's world junior team. He's a good player. Going back to junior, but so they got a forward early in the second and got a defenseman in the first. So it's, you know, what's the, the top pairing defense was the most important position in the game. He makes your goalie better. He makes your forwards better. He, you know, he works the offense. He works the power play. His retrievals take all the pressure off. That's why you have to stock up and, and grow those guys from within. Cause like you said, they very rarely do they get traded for. Uh, unless scoring, you're PK Subban, yeah, but unless you <laughs> unless you're a cost prohibitive, no they have to get rid of you, right? None. Scoring wingers are the easiest players to get. You can get a scoring winger. It's you know, try finding a top pairing, you know, defenseman. It's it's so. I mean, I I I agree with them. You you just load up in there, and you know, like matters saying three or four years from now, you look at that crop, and if these guys kind of, you know, it's it's easy to say everybody's looking really good right now, and and pencil these guys in for being NHL pros, but if they keep trending and, and going in, in the direction that it looks like they're going to go. And you've got Sam Rukov and Bouchard and say Broberg turns into something and then one of Jones and Bear and and, and you've got Nurse. And suddenly then you can trade yourself an Oscar Clefbaum or some of the other guys and address the, the needs up front. But the defense could look really good in three or four years. So and that's the that's the heartbeat of your hockey team. If you're if you have a really strong defense, you're never going to be that far from being a really good team. Especially if you have McDavid and Drysaddle on top of that, like what else? You know, you don't need a whole bunch, a whole bunch else. Yeah, but how much? How long do they want to wait? Two years. <laughs> Two years, not four years. <laughs> so you're going to have to see some upper trajectory for sure. Yeah, I suppose you, you're going to have to want one of your goalies to become that. Yeah. Elite somehow mm-hmm. number one bonafide number one. Goalie, or at least have two of them. Yeah, I don't know if Stuart Skinner or Sherrett or, or Sher- Sterrett or Sterrett. somebody else down in the minors is looking like that guy. But I guess we're going to find out. Well, that's why St. Louis made it to the cup final. They yeah. got a goalie. They didn't have a goalie until halfway through the season, and they got a goalie. And it went from worst to first. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Worst well, to the if, if the others had, you know, say Cam Talbot's season from two years ago, last year, they'd have made the playoffs for sure. He stole them. You know, all he needs to do is steal you 12 points. I was going to say half a dozen games. Yeah. Yeah, right there. They 
decided that they were parting ways with Ty Ratty today, which oh, is yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and at, you know four Tobias. months, three months after Bob Nicholson said Tobias, Tobias Reader was Reader. not coming back, <laughs> he is not coming back. They didn't qualify him. I thought with his former coach Dave Tippett coming in, who got something out of Reader in Arizona, they might change their mind. But uh, alas, uh, no, and they're going to qualify Puliarvi to keep his rights and Kara, whose name keeps coming up in trade mm. talks, um, you know, to keep his rights as well. So not a lot of, you know, choice there in terms of, you know, we're going to flip a coin or what are we going to do with those players? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when, it's, you know, when it comes to particularly Ty Ratty, you know, he, he did manage to play Ty some top line minutes. The se- Before Hitchcock came he, he, His problem was, unfortunately, the season started in October, not in September, because he was really good in training camps. Yeah. But as soon as the season started, he wasn't very so good or he got hurt. Last year, he, he was playing okay, and then he got hurt again. Then you sit out for three weeks, something, by the time he comes back, somebody else is playing. Wasn't it Yam- like didn't he and Yamamoto yeah. and they combined for about sixteen goals? Yeah. Tra- and I'm not watching any same. training camp this year. Yamamoto's I don't care what same. anybody does. Very good in training camp, and then as soon as <laughs> the season dollar. starts, yeah. no. Big no. block letters on my laptop. Training camp doesn't matter, and then everything I write about how this guy had a great camp. Therefore, it's going to no. I, it would matter, I, I presume, with a defenseman who you weren't counting on, but played well. And then you could see to start the season, you said, you know what? At least the guy's made the bottom pairing or something. I wasn't even counting on this guy. We'll see. Because, you know, Matt Benning a couple of years ago, I didn't think he'd make the team. And yet his first year in the league was pretty good. So, and he's another player that gets, you know, they're going to trade Matt Benning. I think it's, they get too many defensemen. It's pretty obvious. I kind of, I don't mind Matt Benning as a third pairing defenseman. He just doesn't make a ton of money. Um, but Why I wouldn't you trade someone else and get something back that you might need? Instead of some... Well, they will. They'll trade Matt Benning for a forward. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But if he's not valued, though, like what kind of forward are you getting back? A third, fourth liner? Connor Brown. Connor Brown, third liner. Third liner. They get a whole whack of these third and fourth liners and hope that some of them sort of play like second liners. I hope they still Chase got, on They still again. got three of six top six players. Yeah. But they don't have, they don't have wingers, you know, uh, by default, Zach Cassian's on the first line again to start the season, or to start camp after playing well last year with Dreisaitl and McDavid. But there's still nobody for Nugent Hopkins to play with. Regularly, anyway. Brett Conley. I don't know if he's a second-line player. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I don't think you can tell in today's NHL when you watch teams like you know the Bruins where you know you see Jake DeBrusque's second liner, then you see Danton Heinen's on the second line or somebody like that too. So I, I don't know how you tell who's a, necessarily a second line player, but you need two of three. You need two really good players on a second line, and then you can put a third guy on the line. But you need at least two, and right now the Oilers have two on the first line and one on the second line. That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. Subscribe to Oil Spills on iTunes and Google Play. You can also listen to it via the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun apps and websites. Mm-hmm.